Well, I invite you to turn with me in the Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, as we continue our way through this series and actually a very fitting passage for us on Mother's Day, uh, 2 Samuel's after uh, Judges and Joshua's before you get to 1 and 2 Kings. And as we look at our passage today, we'll see that it does relate in a sense to, to motherhood. In that uh, if we were perhaps to define one uh, maternal virtue, I'm sure that's not perfectly lived out in any uh, mother's life any more than it's lived out in any of the rest of our lives. But uh, kindness, I think, would be one of those things. Kindness. And this is a passage about uh, kindness, about kindness and really about how the gospel, the working of God, his kindness to us informs our kindness and directs our lives of kindness to others around us. So I invite you to to turn with me and read as we read these verses from uh, 2 Samuel 9. I'll skip a few verses here, but it's a relatively short chapter. And I think you'll see right away, even in the midst of the foreign names and foreign places, that, uh, that it is a passage about God moving in the heart of the king of Israel to express kindness, a foreshadowing, if you will, of the kindness that we enjoy from Jesus, the fulfillment of the king of Israel. Starting in verse 1, it says this. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? You'll recall Saul was a bitter enemy of David's, but Jonathan was Saul's son and David's closest of friends. Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. They called him to David. And you'll see the conversation there. It says in verse verse three, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba tells him about this one who is there. And he's brought in in verse six. We read and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. He said, Do not fear, in verse 7, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And it goes on in verses uh, 9 and through the end of the chapter to describe the kindness that David is going to show in providing for Mephibosheth and his provision, including, as you look down at the end of verse 11, it said, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage about the kindness of a king to the grandson of his enemy, the son of his friend. And we thank you, Lord, that it provides for us a picture, a reminder of how we can respond, how we should respond to your kindness poured out in our lives to live lives that display kindness to those who are around us, those particularly who are in need. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, in a a class that I uh, teach at Samford, we recently were talking about the Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn. 
Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who some will remember became famous in North America and uh, Europe, having suffered under the uh, reign of Soviet communism and enduring years in a prison and how he later became a spokesperson, uh, not only for the flaws of that worldview, the socialist communist one and its bleakness, but also for the bleakness of the West, of folks like us that he uh, confronted with using our freedom instead of to glorify God just for our own personal benefit. So he was a challenging and provocative, uh, famous person who had a significant impact in the world at the end of the last century. But I had forgotten until recently studying him about the account given at the beginning of Charles Colson's book, Loving God, that tells of a certain peer, uh, another fellow Russian, Boris Kornfeld. Kornfeld was a medical doctor. He had grown up in a Jewish background and his family had sided, nevertheless, with the uh, communists up through that uh, revolution in Russia because of some of the treatment that had been received, the persecutions and so forth that were connected with the king, the czar of Russia. And they sort of wanted to overflow that, overthrow that. Well, Kornfeld soon found that the, the new regime wasn't much better. In fact, it was worse for him as he got put into prison. Uh, in one of these uh, prisons, uh, long-term places where people would often suffer and just, uh, you know, exhaustion, illness would take their life, he, he Kornfeld, had a protected position because he was a doctor. Uh, these camps, prison camps, were far removed from civilization, so both the guards and the prisoners needed medical treatment. Well, Kornfeld uh, began to live out that life in the prison camp and enjoyed that protection even though he was in that camp. And until one day, he had before him on his operating table a guard who had been particularly harsh to him. And uh, with his medical skill, Kornfeld was working on putting him back together with some stitches on a particular vein that had been damaged. And Kornfeld began to loosen those stitches hoping that and planning that when he was healed up, that would eventually break loose and this guard who he despised, life would end. Kornfeld was horrified in the moment at his own cruelty towards this man who had been cruel to him, at the hatred in his own heart. And for the first time, the prayers of those around him who turned to Christ and called out to Christ in the midst of the suffering of those camps resonated with Kornfeld, and he came into a relationship with Christ, seeing he needed a Savior. He needed somebody from outside of him to give him a righteousness he didn't have. Well, Kornfeld not only received that, that work of Christ, that kindness, but he began to become a kind person. And part of that was that he refused to go along with the cruelty of the camp. Previously, he had signed papers indicating that rather unhealthy people were, in fact, perfectly healthy so that they could be put into the solitary confinement where often they died. But at least there was some paperwork that the authorities had to say a doctor said this person was OK to go into this confinement, even though it was essentially their death sentence. He had looked past it when orderlies had taken the, the food, the bare provisions that diseased prisoners needed, their basic substance, and the other uh, orderlies had taken some of that. He had looked past it, and he no longer would do that. He wouldn't sign the papers. He turned in one of the order, orderlies. He was a man with a price on his head at that point in the prison. 
he knew it. So he began to spend his uh, nights. He didn't go outside of his little medical clinic room. He lived in there because he knew if he went outside that someone was going to take him out because you go against the system. You're going to get taken out. And then it was one of those nights that he was in there that a prisoner came in, another injured prisoner. And as Kornfeld was working on that prisoner, he began for the first time to share his faith with that prisoner and to tell him about what a relationship with Christ meant to him and how that kindness was beginning to change Kornfeld's life. The prisoner fell asleep under the anesthesia, woke up in the morning to find lying dead next to him. Kornfeld, who had been killed by one of the other prisoners. That man who Kornfeld had worked on was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. That man who he had shared the gospel with became one who would be influential uh, throughout the world, not only for these political subjects, but for a message of deeper hope, a message of spirituality and relationship with God. And it's a reminder, it's a picture as we look at these verses today of the power of kindness. The power of kindness. The way that that can transform uh, our lives, the way that it has transformed David, David's life, and the way that he extends that to others around him. And so really today, the main idea is about as simple as you can get, but if you would like to turn in the sermon notes section of your worship guide, you can. It's just this. Since God shows us kindness, we should show kindness. <laughs> Since God is kind, we should be kind, is the message here in these verses. The challenge is maybe for some of us, if you come from a, a certain brand or branch of, of Christianity, as sort of I grew up in, you heard a ton about God's kindness and love. But you maybe never heard about Jesus's righteousness, Jesus's holiness, even the wrath of of God and the reason that we need the kindness of a savior to pay the price for our sins. So sometimes we can if we come from that background, we can sort of have an aversion almost, I hate to say, to God's love and God's kindness. We want to make sure that we hear a balanced approach so we can sort of set it off to the side and unfortunately forget how incredibly kind Jesus is. Think about some of the things he he did, just the actions he took. I could make a huge list, I'm sure. Uh, Feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 was certainly about more than just providing for people's food needs. But it wasn't about less than that. Think about the washing of the disciples' feet. It wasn't just about caring for some physical need for the disciples, but it wasn't. Only, it wasn't about less than that either. Think about Jesus healing diseases, those who he cared for and ministered to and made sure that they were taken care of. It wasn't just about alleviating a medical condition. It wasn't about less. Uh, Jesus speaking words that were inspirational. Think about his words of inspiration. They were inspirational, but they were not less than that. As we turn to these verses, you'll see where Jesus uh, is displayed in the life of David. His loving kindness is displayed. And we see in David, he's got a a history of kindness that's received to him, that's been given to him. Look at these verses with me and see. The kindness that David received is just incredible. Psalm 139, we read that there was a kindness that God even put him into the world. That he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He was knit together together. 
in his mother's womb. So David was able to be kind to others because he knew that even his existence was a kindness of God. David had skills that he was able to use. As a shepherd, he learned to be a shepherd. And that was a kindness because later on, he would use those skills in battle and even against Goliath. David's victories we saw in 2 Samuel chapter 8. Those were from God. We saw that last week. Uh, God gave David those victories. Those were a kindness from God. God protected David. God gave him wisdom. And then these last two things that God gave to David, which are incredible when you think about them and when we apply them to our own lives. David was given the blessing of a friend, of Jonathan, who cared for him, who loved him, who he had a close relationship with. That was a kindness to him. David was not only given that, but he was given the gift of salvation. If you want to look over at Psalm 51, you can read about it with me a little bit. David describes, actually, this is after his uh, sin with Bathsheba that's going to come a few chapters later. But it tells us in verse 15 of Psalm 51, David says this, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Be kind to your people, David says. One of the first things that you and I need to do, probably, if we're going to become a more kind person, is to recognize the history of God's kindness in our own lives. Think for a minute, and, and Mother's Day is a great day to do it. Just think about your mother. Now, again, no mother is perfect. So there may be some good times and some bad times you and I remember with our mothers. But there's probably some really special moments there. Some loving kindness that we've experienced from our mother and from our friends and from the generosity of others around us. I was watching recently that show, The Undercover Boss. I don't know how many people have seen it. I don't really watch it regularly, but it's interesting. Uh, you remember the show. Perhaps they, they uh, come in, they have a CEO of, a, of an organization, of a company, go and dress up like one of the hourly employees and come into whatever facility they work at. This one was a Philadelphia-based uh, pretzel company. And the CEO dressed, dressed up and comes in and they, they present him as he's, you know, there to be trained or something like that or there to do a little work exchange program. So he sneaks in and the idea is for him or her to see what's happening with the company on the grassroots level and to try to make improvements and so forth. And then also to kind of get to know the employees. But the, the show always ends. I've only seen probably three or four of them, but each one ends with the CEO coming in and there's sort of a reveal where some of the employees that he interacted with, oftentimes who are struggling, it's impressive. They're, they're, they're working hard, but for meager you know, compensation. So it's interesting to see the work ethic that's out there in our, in our culture. And they're working hard, even for meager provision. And maybe they've got family difficulties. Maybe they've got health needs. Maybe they have debts, whatever. The CEO comes and meets with them and usually does what, if you've seen the show? Shows some kindness. Show some measure of grace. And it was interesting to watch the one I saw recently, Dan, who was the CEO of this pretzel company. He met with one particular elderly couple who were working countless hours each, each week at one of his facilities. And they were barely making ends meet. 
and he realized when he went into his undercover role with them that he had actually met with them before and he hadn't helped them at all. They'd come looking for help from him and he turned them away. He hadn't been kind. And so they showed him in the image of the camera interviewing him and he began to have tears coming down his face. And he said this. He said, my mother would be ashamed of me. My mother would be ashamed of me. He knew from his mother's kindness that he ought to be a kinder person to some of those that were working for him, working with his organization. Well, the Bible talks about the kindness you and I have received, and we don't have a lot of time today to focus in on it, uh, on uh, other verses from Scripture. But Titus uh, chapter three certainly speaks to these uh, this kindness God has shown us. And it starts in verse four. Titus is all the way at the back of the New New Testament, just a little bit before you hit Revelation. Now, let me share with you Titus chapter three, verse four It says, but when the kindness The goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of works done by us, but in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then listen to the next part of this. It says in verse 8, this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things. So he's saying, press the point. Don't let up on this point of the mercy and kindness of God through Christ. Why, he says, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Okay, so each of us, let me encourage you today, take stock of the history of kindness in your life. Even if you've had what you would label a very difficult life. Take stock of maybe those places along the way where somebody showed kindness, somebody showed generosity, somebody poured into your life. And even if you don't feel like you can get much out of that, ultimately, all of us, if we're in Christ, can lay hold of what I just read, that we have the kindness of a Savior that's come for you and for me. As it said in that last verse, though, this should lead us to be people of good works. People of kindness It's supposed to be transforming for us. And just as David recognized the kindness of God and then exhibited that, we should, too. In fact, look back with me at Second Samuel chapter nine, because I do want you to see just one thing there about that kindness. Second Samuel chapter nine. I'll see if I can get there too. take a look at verse three. He says, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show My kindness, our kindness, the kindness of God to him. David understood that the kindness that he would extend was really an extension of God's kindness to him. So today, one of the things that we can take away from these verses as well is the the call, the encouragement for each one of us to be those who share kindness You've probably heard this read before, but one of the early Roman emperors, you remember in the time of the early Roman Empire, Christianity was beginning to to spread. It was spreading to other parts of the world as well, but it was influencing the society. It, It was not yet at that time where Constantine had made Christianity sort of the accepted religion of of the Roman Empire. It was well before that, and you still had persecutions going on across the Roman Empire. But Julian the Apostate, one of the uh, one of the Roman emperors, said this about the early Christians. Listen. 
He says nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition. That was his term for our faith of the Christians as their charity to strangers. So nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition of the Christians as their charity to strangers. And then he went on and he said this. He called them impious Galileans. The Romans thought the Christians were impious because they wouldn't worship the emperor and they worshiped this God that they couldn't see, so to speak. So they were impious in that sense. He says the impious Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. Kindness has an impact. When you and I show even a little bit of kindness in this world where there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, you'd be amazed. And you've probably seen it happen in your life. I know I've seen it in mine. You'd be amazed at the impact to just listen and actually care enough to hear about what's going on in somebody's life around yours. Maybe a stranger, maybe that young person, students at school who uh, seems a little awkward or isn't a part of your peer group or whatever, to, to just speak and to just listen to a person is, uh, is a rarity, is a kindness. Frederick Buchner put it this way. He said, love for equals is a thing of friend for friend, brother for brother. It is to love what is lovely and loving. The world smiles. He went on, he said, love for those less fortunate is a beautiful thing. The love for those who suffer, who are sick, the poor, the failures, the unlovely, lovely. This is compassion, and it touches the heart of the world. He said, love for the more fortunate is a rare thing. To love those who succeed where we fail, rejoice without envy in those who rejoice. And then he said this, then there's love for the enemy. Love for the one who does not love you, but mocks you, threatens and inflicts pain. The torture's love for the torturer. This is God's love, and it conquers the world. There's a beauty to kindness extended, and my prayer for us today would be to think about that kindness we've received and the beauty of what it would look like for us to extend that in relationships around us. Last thing I think that we want to see from these verses is that uh, David, sadly, it's kind of a downer note, I guess, to end on. David, sadly, quickly forgets the kindness that he's been shown by God and his vision for showing kindness to others. We are just one chapter away from where uh, David commits infidelity and then adds to that, essentially having the husband of the woman put to death on the front lines of the battlefield. You see that contrast? If you know a little bit of the context of this book of the Bible, it's stark. He's going out of his way here to track down the grandson of one of his enemies and to make sure he's taken care of and he's, uh, uh, you know, handicapped, lame in his legs. He's, he's, He's showing that incredible kindness. He doesn't have to. He chooses to do it. And then a couple chapters later, he essentially looks like a different person to us. It's a reminder to us to guard that kindness, to protect it, to hold it close uh, to us. Stories uh, told related to that idea of trying to keep and hold kindness of a, of a man who went to a doctor's visit, and I'll close with, with this. And, and he was complaining of some serious health problems. His wife went with him, and the doctor really just told the husband, he, he said, you know, you need to really just rest. You need a lot of rest. 
and this is serious and you need to rest. And he said, you know, if uh, if there's a, a physical need, you know, you need your wife to take care of it. Well, he kind of left the room and the doctor said, I want to get a minute with the with the wife and talk to her a bit. And he said to the wife, he said, now, now, miss, your, your husband's in serious condition. He needs a lot of rest. Um, if he if he needs uh, something around the house, you're going to have to get it to him and bring it to him. If he needs a, a pillow behind his head on the bed, you're going to have to put that pillow behind him on the bed. If there's yard work that needs to be done, you're going to have to get out there and, you know, just do do the yard work. You're going to you know, it's going to be it's going to be bad. Well, the woman got out of the meeting with the doctor and she was riding home with her husband then in the car. And, of course, he was curious. He was like, what was this conversation that you that you had with the doctor, what, what did he say about my condition to you that he wasn't going to say to me? And the wife turned to the husband and said, you aren't going to make it. <laughs> well, it's tough to remember kindness, even when we've been shown uh, the magnitude of kindness that we have in the gospel. Uh, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would. Increase our vision, our perception of the great kindness that you have shown to us in Christ. Now, we confess that we forget it easily. And when we do remember, we don't always remember that it's not just there for us, but it's something we are intended to extend to others around us who are in a needy and broken state, many. And so, Father, we know that we have needs and we have brokenness. But we know that you are filling us up with the working of your spirit and strengthening us to be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to uh, see your kindness and share it with others. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.